Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man on Twitter you know as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? All good. How can you best describe the fantasy season so far for listeners? So it's not so much our teams, is it what do you think we have had to overcome so far this season? Definitely injuries. It's uh, It's been an injury-ridden season for... You know, going back to 20 minutes and, and limited rotations or reduced rotations. So I think no coach, fantasy coach, has had his, uh, has avoided all the carnage. There's been carnage along the way, and managing that and the weeks that it's occurred has is, is been challenging for sure. Yeah, those no Thursday teams have been a bit of a tough one to swallow uh, from week to week in, in some certain weeks. Uh, I think the injuries have been critical. Uh, I know I've been crushed uh, pretty much from the midpoint of this year, and that's that does happen in fantasy, especially season long. Um, and we're probably getting to the stage now where we're looking at rookies that uh, possibly debut, and the barrel is getting thin. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we can have debutants. It's the quality debutants that score 60-plus, isn't it? Um, we can't really afford at this point of the game um, slow burns on the bench. It's it's a real concern, and um, hopefully a few put their hand up soon. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link that I sent out on Twitter, on the Plus 6 pod Twitter feed, uh, you go in with a chance at winning a Plus 6 podcast cap. Next retweet giveaway will be in amongst the buy weeks, so we'll give a few more caps away. Uh, also, AFL ratings, Twitter accounts, jump on for those along, or I ask in return for the content, our likes and retweets, and aflratings.com.au for some fantasy content, other stuff going on there, jump on and click away. Okay, remember this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night. And as always, which is very, very important, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. And as we know in the fantasy world, news comes to hand every hour, every minute. And yeah, it's just a, it's a, just a rolling feed pretty much. Okay, Jet, let's get into it. Uh, general questions. Uh, Thursday night teams return in round 10. What should we expect? Well, I think we expect more laid outs. That's probably fair to say. And, and to have that, we need coverage on the bench for sure. So uh, we've, we've still got a rolling lockout, so it's probably a bit easier. Um, but yeah, there's going to be more laid outs, I think. So um, as, as you know, I tweet out the uh, late changes every week. And 2021 late changes ran on last week. There was just one. Uh, so that's an average of 2.2 for this season. Uh, when we had uh, team announcements for the night before last year, during COVID year, it was 2.2 as well. Uh, prior to those day before team announcements, the average was 4.4. Now, if we go a little bit further back, in 2019, the home and away season average late changes was 4.9. So when you say late changes are going to increase, I think that is almost an absolute certainty. So it might get a couple of weeks leeway into um, teams not making late changes. So hopefully that plays out early in rounds 10 and 11. Uh, but yeah, as the season winds down towards the end of the year, I expect a bit of a spike in those late changes. Okay, Jep, current update on season debuts. 
I'm going to run through some numbers here and, and give me your thoughts on what you think we could see for the remainder of the year. So 2021 20, debuts, playing only. So far we've had 55. So in 2019, at this stage of the season, uh, there were 45 debuts already um, played. So in 2018, a little bit further back, at round nine, there were 55. So we're almost at that same point in time. But now if you take into account that we have reduced list sizes this year, and also if you do remember the 2020 draft crop, the majority of them did not play football last year. So you would expect that their development might be a little bit behind uh, as what we might have expected in a normal type year. So a few weeks ago, I did say we might be about 70 for the entire year. I think I'm going to be a little bit short on that. I think we're going to exceed that. But again, quality rooks is quite important. But looking at the number of 2018, we were at the same number. There were 95. I've got to expect we might hit about 75 to 80 for the remainder of the year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that forecast is about right, and that's the important number. So what's been done is done. It's, it's what we're going to get from here on in, and uh, and that's the concern. Now, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, with the lack of development last year with no competition or VFL reserves and the like in that cup. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's a problem, um, and to generate cash is getting harder and harder. So, yeah, we'll, um, we've got to just be wary of that, and it, it might even see us get creative over the buy rounds to, to generate cash and trading primos to, to um, discounted primos. So just on that, I think that actually creates more opportunities for people to go in different directions. So if you can be ahead of the game and try and come up with certain scenarios which, which do have a big payoff, I think there may be an opportunity or two to hit on those. And just one, we were talking pre-pod and, and one of my trades uh, in the coming weeks, um, and I, I have said on the podcast previously that I started at round one with uh, Toby Nankervis. So we've seen Riley O'Brien hemorrhage cash this year, and his scoring has been uh, quite pitiful of recent time. But you would have to expect at some stage that O'Brien will start to hit his ceiling numbers again. So one of the situations that I might look at, especially because I have Nane Curvis, and he's quite expendable. You know, for those with Gorn and Grundy, I probably wouldn't make any move whatsoever. But for me, who has Nan Curvis, you know, I actually might be hit a downgrade back down to Riley O'Brien, who was some player that I was looking to upgrade to a few weeks ago. So that might be a way to pick up, you know, potentially 100, 150k in cash there. So what are your thoughts on opportunities, Chip? Yeah, that, that's a good example. I think another example is uh, Zeebel to Dusty. Uh, maybe not this week, but in the coming weeks, especially in the round 12 buy, if you've gotten a, a bit of a overflow of round 12 primos. We've got. We're going to have no choice. At, at a, there's going to be a push point where there's no debutants, there's no rooks coming through, quality rooks as well, and we're going to yeah, we're going to have no choice. Like I would see potentially if Lockie Jones plays this week, people trading him back in that traded him out three four weeks ago. So yeah, it's a bit of a dire situation, um, and it's just a week to week proposition, but. Yeah, we're going to have to get creative, all of us. But you're right. The the big the thing I like is um, 
that people will go in different directions. Yeah, it opens up the game quite a lot. Just on Zebra, we don't have him listed in a podcast to discuss, but he's got a monster break even. He's going to hemorrhage cash. So um, if you're thinking about doing that, that might be one to go on this week. So just have a bit of a think about that one on Zebul. And, you know, he's potentially going to drop at 150K or 100K over the next few weeks at least if he's, you know, if he knocks around about an average of about 95 to 100. So just keep that in mind. Okay, current assessments, Jeb. Four trades remaining until buy week. What are your current thoughts on the buys? And what should listeners be concentrating on right now? They should be concentrating on on the buy structure and and making sure they're balanced with the primos and rooks and obviously planning out their trades over the buy rounds. Um, That just goes without saying really now. Um, But for me, I'm looking to use my round 12 trades to generate cash for my upgrades in round 13. Um, so this week I'm making an up, down, traditional downgrade upgrade. Um, next week is a bit of a to be advised. I don't know if I'll be generating cash or I'll be making an upgrade or a couple uh, sideways to balance. Who knows? It probably unlikely to be a sideways trade, but um, it just depends what's available and and the like. Um, but yeah, it, that's my plan at the moment. Now again, lack of rookies. Um, my round 12, my way to generate cash in round 12 might have to be, well, we'll get creative um, trading a primo to a discounted premium because I've got to stick to the plan. Round 13 is um, is go bringing time. in the, yeah, is the go time to bring in those primos of round 12 and um, to get the leg up and it's, it's happening one way or another. So if I have to say goodbye to a Jack Crisp, I say goodbye to Jack Chris, but I won't lose too much sleep. Um, Jaden Short's another one that I've got. I'll, I'll probably offload if I have to. Um, and yeah, it, it sounds crazy, but it's got to it's got to happen. Um, but you know, who you trade your primos down to do a discounted premium? That that's a, a risk that needs to work as well. Um, so they've got to be educated trades, and not just for the sake of it. Yeah, round 13 is go time, and you're swinging for the fences right there. Okay, so just my thoughts on that. Uh, definitely balance leading into the buys. Cashed up, you need to be cashed up, because once you hit that round 13, uh, you're swinging to the fences with cash. And uh, have your target set out. So the the main target at round 13 is pretty much going to be Lockie Whitfield. I think he's pretty much a non-negotiable at that stage. He should have his legs back into his game. But I would have, you know, three or four on a weekly basis to see how you go through the buy periods and try and target it and hit them as you go along. Okay, Jep, break-evens to target. We only have two players with a negative break-even. Uh, times are tough this year in AFL Fantasy Classic. The two players are Rolly Collier-Dawkins, 290k, so he's an elevated price now. He's still value. He's got a minus 18 break-even. Those coaches that don't have him... Even though you're paying out for a rookie, I think he's pretty much a non-negotiable. What are your thoughts, Jep? Yeah, he um, he's playing really well, getting the centre bounces, and um, I thought he's one of Richard's best last week. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't have him, you have to bring him in this week. There's just no question. Just pay that little bit extra and, and get on with it. Uh, and then as for Nick Bryan, well, it's dependent on selection. Phillips, again, played reasonably well on the weekend, and... Trusting Nick Bryan's smaller frame against the bigger bodies is um, 
is why his selection is going to be volatile from week to week. You know, we're not going to be guaranteed like other rooks where they get a string of three or four games. He played against Carlton. Pitnett's no no weakling um, and did pretty well. But then he, I think he was protected yeah. against yeah. Mummy the week up after. Um, and then Phillips played so well against Mummy that he, he deserves another week. Um, but North Melbourne, this week, Goldstein, Campbell, he could come in. And then West Coast, Nick Natanoi, who knows? Um, and then Richmond again, Nank. So he's hoping we see him, um, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, uh, right in the way at the moment is Andrew Phillips. So 195k. At break even a minus four. Even if he was named this week, there's no guarantee that he's going to play at least two games in a row. Not at this stage, at least. So, you know, it, Andrew Phillips is in his way at the moment. Okay, just a couple of special mentions there. Not with a negative break even, so potentially to target this week. Uh, Caleb Poulter still, uh, but he's now at an elevated price of 288k, and he's got a break even of eight. So just keep in mind there that Taylor Adams is due back in round 11. So one player needs to exit the team for Taylor Adams coming in. So we'll just see how that plays out with team selection, not this week, but that will be next week. And Jamie Elliott is due back the week after. So there's going to be another player out of that Collingwood team. So just keep an eye on those Collingwood team selections there, which is probably no good uh, for those holding Jay Rantel and Finn McCraigett. Yeah, um, that's me. So, oh, well, that's pretty much yeah. everyone. I would, I would yeah. assume. There's, there's quite a few. Look, it's, yeah, it's not ideal, but again, that 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 will be part of the equation in the round twelve um, trade Trades. strategy. Yeah. Um, McRae's obviously got the more cash to, to generate, so you'll probably say goodbye to him. Um, I'm pretty light on in my round twelve players, um, compared to others, so. Yeah, McCray might actually go for me in round 12 if he's not thereabouts. The other player, special mention here, is Ronan O'Connor for the Crows. He was actually quite good. Limited game time against the Eagles on Sunday, uh, just 56% or 50%, around about that mark there. He's 185k, break even of nine. He's going to be a monster target this week, Jeff. What are you thinking? Yeah, saw him in the flesh on Sunday, Arvo, against West Coast, and... Um, like the look of him, you know, he tackled really well. Um, that's obviously his strength. He did go to Kelly at times, but he, he did start at half forward as well um, at times. So it's just a case of easing him into it, I would have thought. Um, yeah, the Crows didn't do themselves any favour as a team. So he get on the home deck. I know they're playing the Ds this weekend, but he's Ronan O'Connor is your trade target. Or your downgrade target, sorry, for this week. Absolutely, no doubt. Yep. Okay, premium players now to target, Jeb. So these are high ceiling type players. Uh, so it's a less than 750k. So we're trying to be a little bit smart with our money. And it's a break even less than 100. So we've got a list of players here. We're going to go through just a comment from each of us, I guess. Dane Zorko. I did say on a podcast a few weeks ago that uh, he's managing his Achilles from week to week. Um, he still is hitting up ceiling numbers. 727k, break even to 96. He did have a soft matchup for a um, ceiling top game last week. What are you thinking on Zorko? I, I wouldn't mind after the buys. I'm not prepared to take the risk pre-buy. He might get a double week rest, um, and that's really hypothetical, obviously. But, um, yeah, anyone with an injury cloud, I think, 
is they're worth a punt post-buy. Post and I know he's been put, putting good numbers together still, yeah. but um, it's just catastrophic if, <laughs> if they go down in the next week or two. So, yeah, I, I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah, his uh, centre bounce numbers have declined. Had an initial spike there when Neil went out of the team with the injury, but yeah, he's had a bit of a decline in centre bounces. So Reese Matheson has come into the team. He's been actually pretty good, and we've seen Devin Robinson get uh, pretty decent centre bounce usage there as well. But Lockie Neal is on the radar to return around that buy period as well. So it's something that we need to keep in mind. And pre-season, go back to pre-season, a little bit of recall here is that uh, Chris Fagan and the coaching staff wanted to see Zorko more in the forward line. So just you just got to keep in mind all of that before you make a decision on Zorko. Okay, Andrew Brayshaw, big game last week, 83 break, Evans, 724K. I still like him. What do you think, Chip? Yeah, I still like him too. Um, plays Sydney on his home. He's got three of the next four at up the stadium and then the bye. Um, and then Collingwood and Marvel post by. So the draw is a big tick. Um, his role sort of went back to normal with cheering the team. I can't really pin it down. Um, the, the week, a couple of weeks back against the Lions, he, he started that first half more as an outside mid. Mm. Um, but that seems to be put to bed now and he's back in the guts. Um, He's a target of mine this week with my balance of buys. Um, I've got to weigh that up. But, yeah, I like him a lot. So the next player, Travis Bogue, we know he can get it um, uh, from a fantasy perspective. Um, he did struggle with the league cork early in the year. He was managed at one point during the season there. So he's down to break even in 98, 710K. He won't be wholly owned, Jeb, uh, but up there in age. What are you thinking there with Bogue? Well, I liked the, the next two weeks for him. So Collingwood and Fremantle, yep, um, he, he should do pretty well. So that and a, and a point of difference, a previous comment on do you take a risk on a, on with the injury risk of an older player, probably not wise, but, you know, risks uh, are for those who, who dare to win. The next player. Now, the Eagles have had a pretty easy draw over the last three weeks. Tim Kelly has put up some decent numbers. He's down to break even 87, 706K. I do like him, but we can't guarantee he's not going to get tagged each week. Jet, what are you thinking? Exactly. And it's just that for that reason. Um, he's going to get an attention at some point. So you're best off to, the, to look elsewhere. Josh Kelly. Uh, for those that don't have Kelly, he'll be still a monster target. It's still valuable. He's still value, I believe. So he's now at 704k. He's made a little bit of cash the last few weeks. Break even of still 81, which is quite solid. Uh, he's put up some decent numbers the last couple of weeks. I think if you don't have him, he's still a target. Jet, what are you thinking? Yeah, for sure. Especially this week against West Coast, I think he'll um, he'll do really well um, out in the wing. I, I don't know who's going to chase him. So yeah, like it, like it a lot. On to Jack Billings now. He's got that wing-type role. He does have a ceiling, as we know. A uh, little bit of volatile scoring, but it has been quite solid of recent note. 680K, break-even of 74, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think Billings is, is a bit of a sleeper um, and a point of difference, too. So we're like still... Yeah, we're still... I'm more curious to see who gets forward status in round 12, but... You know, I'd, he, I'd say he's the fifth, sixth primo forward at the minute. 
Next one there, uh, if you don't own him, he is still value break even at 61, 674k. Aaron Hall, Jeb, that role is still there, looks solid and he's got a ceiling. Yeah, you got to get him. Um, you know, Pretty I simple. can't imagine, yeah, I can't imagine too many that are diehard fantasy players and listeners to our podcast wouldn't have him by now. Yeah, got to have him. Okay, next one there, Brad Crouch, a bit of a POD right there. Break even of 80, 671k. I think he's going to be quite solid for the, for the remainder of the year, and he definitely won't be wholly owned yet. What are you thinking there? Yeah, I don't mind it. I, um, a few have flagged to me um, my, my opinions on Brad Crouch. I think you've got to take the good with the bad. I think he'll play one bad game in every four or five. So um, generally when Saints play poorly, he still goes all right. And he had that concussion delay last week and he really could have gone um, a lot higher than 111 last week. That's he was pushing me. 140 and I was sweating bullets <laughs> um, because, you know, you, 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 you'd love to get those players in for the week that they dominate like that. So, um, yeah, Bulldogs, obviously Bulldogs don't tag. Can the Bulldogs play keep it off? Probably. Will Saints be able to match up with the Bulldogs? I probably wouldn't think so. So, he might have a tough go this week, but stranger things have happened, and for the long term, yeah, it's not a pick. If the Saints get on a roll, Crouch should be a part of that, you would think. The other one there is, if any player is going to get tagged in that midfield for St Kilda, it's likely to be Jack Steele. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we've talked about this previous, is not to target, from a trade-in point of view, the number one, like the bot who is going to get targeted, it's the number two. It's like the McRae type, yeah? yeah so yeah. you don't go to Cripps, you go to Walsh. You don't go to Bontempelli, you go to McRae. So these guys can hit a ceiling. But it, Jack Steele is still a target, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's that number two. What are you thinking there? Yeah, spot on. I couldn't agree more. Um, and you'd bring in Crouch if we brought in Jack Steele for that reason. Okay, next player there, Dom Sheed. Struggled a little bit last week in what was actually a pretty favourable matchup. Again, the Eagles have had a pretty easy run the last three weeks, so they might be up against it from a scoring perspective uh, moving forward into the short-term and medium-term part of the season. So he's at 86 break-even, 665k. Jeb, I'm starting to cool on Sheed. What are you thinking? Look, I don't personally like the, the move, but he gets no attention because his kick, he struggles with his kicking and pinpoint, pinpointing his kicking. So... Um, yeah, I think he's got that high ceiling that makes him that more the you know, attractive at that price. But nah, you'd rather crouch in that instance, I think. Another player that might be of interest around that same price range is Rory Sloan, 662k, 83 break even. We know he's going to be in that midfield. But if you've got O'Connor, do you want Sloan in there as well? So just how many crows do you want in there? And they're struggling for disposals at, at stages throughout the year. And if they do struggle for the remainder of the year, how much of Sloan are we going to send centre bounces compared to Matthew Nix lock, looking to evaluate the list leading into next year? So you just got to take that part into it. You know, they're still in a rebuild phase for the Crows. And as I talked about with Collingwood as well, you've got to expect some type of volatility. I do like Sloan. I do like the price point. 83 break even is quite solid. But do, are we going to see any type of volatility for the remainder of the year, Jeff? Yeah, we are, and that's why you can't bring it in, I don't think. 
Next one, Caleb Daniel. Uh, we were both a little bit cool on him last week. They put up a decent score break, even at 63, which is quite healthy. And 584K, he would be a target for many this week. Jet, what are you thinking on Daniel still? Yeah, it's a tough one with Daniel. I think, you know, his price is obviously the attractive point. Um, he's a designated kicker. His role's a bit volatile. Uh, you really don't know what we're going to get each week from him. Um, and if his role is going to continue to be volatile to break a tag, then you're probably best to look elsewhere. It's probably just one to monitor. He's one to look week to week and, and make the call on. But, yeah, 584 is a bargain and a half. Yeah, for sure. Um, almost looked at him pre-round one. Um, pretty much glad I did not. So 584 is looking pretty juicy. But, yeah, it's that tag roll. And, yeah, the other one was Luke Beveridge moving him around from a matchup perspective. So that's a new wrinkle in his role that he got moved out of position because of the Carlton forward line a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, just got to keep in mind uh, that there might be some type of volatility for the remainder of the year. Okay, the next one I think is going to be pretty highly targeted this week, Jep. It's Dustin Martin, 578k, which is very juicy, and break even of 92. And obviously with the Richmond midfield injuries at the moment, he's going to see high inside midfield usage. He was excellent last week against the Giants. Uh, I think he's a big target, and I think he should be pretty solid, especially at that price tag at 578k, Jep. What are you thinking? Yeah, Brisbane, Adelaide and Essen in the next three. Um, round 13 by, which is as attractive as a forward for, for many, including myself. So, oh, look, I, I think it's as much as Dusty can sting you with a 70 every now and then, I think it's probably worth it at this point. Yeah, 578k, I think that's pretty good value there for Dustin Martin. Okay, Nat 5. So he's averaged 98.3 points from his last six games, as much as he has struggled in front of goal. So it's pretty solid average right there. You did say pre-podcast, Jep, that um, he doesn't have a ceiling, and that's pretty much right. I agree with you. I said he's that 105 guy on a good day. Uh, he's at 688k, so a little bit elevated there, 95. You know, if we're talking about Dusty or Nat 5 and a price point, I'd be going Dusty all day there. What are you thinking there on Nat 5? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I like 5, but I think there are better value picks or picks around the same price. It, it's For me, it's the ceiling. You know, the Josh Kellys of the world have, can hit this 130, and it's very rare for, for Nat 5 to do that. So... You know, Dusty even can hit a 130, obviously, as well. So let's pick the players and the primos that have the high ceiling. Okay, Jep, on to a few key players for the listeners. It's time to play like or dislike. Add a comment if you like onto any of these players. We are going to do an 11-pack to finish off the podcast. Uh, first up is Jordan Ridley. So we've got Nick Hind, who's lost loose ball, looking for the loose ball in defence for the Bombers. We've got Dyson Heppel looking for the same thing. Um, Jordan Ridley has found himself matched up against some key tools there, which has played into some type of volatility with his scoring. We know he missed a couple of weeks ago, so it's just something to keep an eye on from Ridley. So he's got a break-even of 97 and and a price tag of 597k. Uh, What type of role? You know, is he another loose player? Not sure. What are you thinking there, Jet? Like or dislike? Uh, dislike for this week. It can change week to week, but dislike for this week because since he came back from the concussion, um, he's had a different role and a break-even 97 
you've still got room to move the week after. Yep, uh, dislike there for me, and that's for this week. Again, yeah, that could change. Uh, next one up, Isaac Heaney. Interested to get your thoughts here on Heaney. So 481k, uh, a screaming value to me, and he has got a break even of 71. Now, the thing we need to take into consideration here is that Collingwood were a pretty soft matchup last week. Uh, they do let inside 50s in at a very high rate this season. They've actually been pretty poor. So that's where you get the players like Heaney start to hit a bit of a ceiling there with uh, opportunities into that forward line. Now, he's now no longer in that midfield range of seeing centre bounces. He's pretty much that half-forward type role. And, Jep, you and I both know half-forwards can be a bit of a dead zone in fantasy football. So what do we expect for the remainder of the season on Heaney? But at 481k, I do like him at that price point. What do you think? That's a like for me, Jep. What are you thinking? Um, it's a dislike for me. I think the one has what he has got going for him is his short-term draw. So Fremantle, Carlton, St Kilda, and Hawthorne. Um, I think that's a big positive, and he can go alright. But like you said, mate, he's a half forward. So. You're not getting the midfield usage. You know, the development of Warner, Rowbottom at the Swans sees him stay at half forward. He's not required. Um, so you're really at the mercy of, of if he's on or if he's off. Uh, being a consistently good half forward is pretty hard to do. Um, they used to say, you know, centre half forward, half forward is the hardest spot to play in footy. I don't think you're going to lose out with a break-even of 71, but, yeah, you might not just see that cash increase as what most people think might happen with Heaney's score after his big score last week against Collingwood. Okay, next one, Jeb. Tom Green, uh, midfielder inside for the Giants, 501k, break-even of 44. He's averaged 88.6 points from his last three games. Now, the high centre bounce usage is not there yet, but his scores are starting to roll in. Can we trust him, like or dislike? No, I dislike. We can't trust him yet. Um, it's it's next year or the year after for me. Yeah, I'm pretty much a dislike there too. I do like his last three games, but yeah, volatility in there. So not that much of a cash increase. I wouldn't think so. Isaac Smith, the next one up, Jet, 695k elevated price tag. He's got a break even of 88. Now, Smith has averaged 102.6 points from his last five games. He's actually been excellent value from a fantasy perspective. But at an elevated price tag, what are you thinking, like or dislike? I'm going to say, interestingly, dislike, because I think that is his ceiling of 695k. I wouldn't want to pay any more. What are you thinking? Yeah, I do, I'm a dislike. I think there's some attractive components of his game and, and the team he plays for in Geelong and possession football, mark kick, mark kick. Um, but he's really a half forward. Uh, more, and yes, he's playing wing, but it's really what I see his value and what um, Scott wants him to do is deliver inside 50. So he's a traditional half forward, and with that, uh, you're better off going elsewhere. Yeah, if the Cats get on the roll for the second half of the year, he still might be that average, that 102, 105. You can probably hit that price at any stage. Break even of 88. You're pretty much not going to miss out this week. I wouldn't have thought. Okay, next one hasn't uh, had an AFL debut yet, but has been monitored for many fantasy coaches, is Trent Bianco for Collingwood. Now, he's had a couple of weeks back in the team after injury. 
So look for him to debut at some point. It's just a matter of Collingwood are going to have players coming back into that team, so there needs to be an extra spot for Bianco to come back in. So it's just one to keep an eye on, Jeb. I think he's a target when he makes his debut. Now, if he can slot into that half-back role for Collingwood, I don't know who's going to kick out at this stage. I think he's almost an instant target. What are you thinking on Bianco? Like or dislike when he makes his debut? Uh, I like him. I would wait a week, though, to see his role because, obviously, with McRae and Rantle, Midfield was playing half forward, deep forward. Who knows what Buckley's got installed for Bianco. Um, let's assess him on one game. Yeah, if he goes up 20 grand, so be it. It's, it's way better than bloody bringing him in cold. And then it's another Rantel or McCray issue. So, um, I'd like, but with a, with a bit of a pending question mark. Okay, Caleb Sarong hasn't been the fantasy uh, type player that many projected early in the season, including myself. I thought he was going to be quite good. He's got a break even of 98, 603k. I think it's a massive dislike for me for Sarong. I just think Brayshaw, Chero, you've got others going through that midfield for Fremantle. You know, he's going in there, he's targeting play opposition players. Um, he's pretty much trying to find a balance between getting the ball and looking at, at his opposition midfielder. I think that is hurting his fantasy games from week to week. So massive dislike for me, Jet. What are you thinking? Yeah, the sheer fact that um, Longmuir wants to put him as, as a tagger just tells me he's in it. He's been told just focus on learning. You know, focus on learning from your opponent, shielding your opponent. Um, so it's. It's development first and, and, you know, excelling at, in possessions and fantasy points second, so dislike. Yeah, I agree with that. And and that's the sort of the conversation we're looking at for our next play, and that's Tom Powell. So um, he has seen uh, tagging or cooler opportunities this year that David Noble has given him. I did a little bit on the weekend against Hawthorne. So, again, it's a development-type role. It is his first year, so it's not as if he's going to be that uh, midfielder just accumulating disposals without any regard for his opponent. David Noble is forcing him to respect his opponent and to run with him. So he's going to learn a lot over the remainder of this season and early in his career. But we need to talk fantasy, Jeb. He had a low score on the weekend. He had a high centre-bounce usage. It was a season high, but he had a season low in disposals and fantasy points, Jeb. Now, he's at 524k and a break even to 95, so... For those looking to offload Powell, you know, you pretty much need to do it this week, otherwise there's potential to drop under 500k. But we do know in a, a situation where he's given licence to find the ball, man, he can hit 100 points. So what are you thinking? For me, I'm still holding, and it's a like. Yeah, it's a like for me, and I'm holding, because of the, at the moment, it's points are more important than hemorrhaging potentially 50 grand. Um, I've got other rookies that are pretty dire, like Farrar, that need to get off my starting 22. Um, so I would happily lose 20 grand if um, Powell's going to score 70 as a rookie. So, yeah, it's a like and hold. Next player up for discussion is Will Hoskin-Elliott. Now, he moved out onto the wing and he accumulated disposals in that first half with very much uh, a lot of ease for Collingwood. 
So he's at 496k. He's a break even of 44, which is quite healthy. Now, if you're going to associate risk with uh, picking players, uh, Hoskin Elliott would be in that high, high risk category. Now, uh, Buckley did say in his post-game presser that he would want to be giving Will Hoskin Elliott more looks in that role in the future. So if he is to play that role for the remainder of the year, I think this is a pretty big value selection, but I do put it in the high-risk category. I'm actually going to say like. Jet, what are you thinking? I dislike. I don't think he'll be consistent enough, and at his price, you need consistent scores to generate some coin, um, and that's really the reason why you bring in Hoskin Elliott in. Yeah, the one, I'll, I'll just go back to Hoskin Elliott here, Jeb, is that, uh, as I have said with Collingwood, that the Buckley has moved the team around and that you've got to keep that in your decision-making process with that. You know, I mean, that could last two or three weeks and that'd be it. So, and you could be stuck. So just keep that in mind. Next player here, I think it's going to be a little bit, bit of a target this week, is James Harms. He's 540k, Jeb. He's got a break-even of 53, which is quite good. Now, we did see him go into the middle on the weekend at a high rate. Uh, James Jordan is in there as well. But the one player we need to keep an eye on returning for Melbourne is Jack Varney. It's either going to be this week or it's going to be next week and what that will do to James Harms' scoring. So it could impact Harms or it even could impact Jordan. So... James Harms, what are you thinking there, like or dislike? For me, I'm actually going to say dislike. No, I like him. I think um, that price and, and his role, um, and as you know, we've got to think outside the square a little bit, and um, I think he's a value pick to, to jump on. He was the mid-pricer that, you know, came in for one game, went out, he can always lay a tackle. You know, you, you pretty much lock arms in for five, six tackles a game. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't mind it. it. It depends what else, what other trades you're doing. But if you can go like a primo upgrade and harms this week, I'd, I'd be all for that. Yeah, it's Jack Varney. And Varney's inside midfielder. Uh, now, if Varney was out for a few more weeks, I'd be saying James Harms is a massive like, but yeah, it's just that role. You know, and what that does, you know, if Harms does stay in there, what does that do to Jordan? So, just got to keep all that in mind. If he's number four, Banana, behind Petrarca, Oliver, and Varney, I still think it's okay, but I'm not too sure it's number four, Banana. We'll see how that goes. Okay, onto Rolly O'Brien. Uh, said earlier in the podcast that he's going to hemorrhage a lot of cash. So he's down at 619k now. Can you believe that, Chip? And he's got a break-even of still at 130. So if he struggles the next couple of weeks, he's going to be well into the 500s there. So what are you thinking on O'Brien for potentially a point of difference uh, later in the year for those that, like in my position? Obviously, if you're holding Gorn and Grundy, uh, there's nothing pretty much to do with O'Brien. But do we start to look at O'Brien as a point of difference for the remainder of the year for those that don't have uh, Gorn and Grundy locked in at R1 and R2, like or dislike? Uh, dislike. I think post-buy you assess it. And, yeah, like you said, it's if you own Gorn and Grundy, it's not an option. It's just those with um, an R2 that's a bit indifferent. McAvoy's in there and Ann Curtis is in there. Um, and then there's obviously the O'Brien owner's themselves so yeah it's an interesting one um, but I think post buy you look at it a bit more in depth yeah that's one I'm really he couldn't 
I'm really he, having an eye on this one because I actually might be going to him. So we'll see how that plays out. He could, he could like really benefit from a week off rest. Who knows? Um, he might oh, come right. back. Yeah. So in round 15, he comes back fresher and, and ready to gun it. Just remember from a pod, uh, podcast or an interview a couple of weeks ago that they said that O'Brien had struggled with an injury there. So I just wonder if that might be spot on that he does need a week off with his bye week. So, yeah, there might be one to keep an eye on there for a massive point of difference there. Yeah, so good thinking there, Jep. Okay, the last one we're going to discuss, Port Adelaide Ruck, Peter Laddams. So Lysett goes out with suspension. Sam Hayes, who was talked up immensely last week by Michael Voss and pretty much everyone else associated with Port Adelaide, didn't get the go-ahead. It was Peter Laddams. So Nathan Bassett did come out earlier this week after the game and did say that, and this is quote, we'd like to get a look at him at some stage. So that's in reference to Sam Hayes. So back to Peter Laddams, 449k. He's got a break-even of 12. So... You know, with if Hayes wasn't in his picture, I would say that's pretty much the jump on until Lysette returns after his suspension. But yeah, this is still high risk here for Laddams. For me, I'm going to say dislike. Jeb, what are you thinking? No, dislike for me. I think um, it's too risky and it's a short-term gain and you've got a lot to play out in the buy round. So no, I wouldn't do it. All right, Jeff, that's it for our podcast. Good luck for the listeners ahead of round 10. And thankfully, Thursday night teams have returned, so we might be a little bit more prepared on Friday. So last thoughts heading into round 10, Jeff. Uh, yeah, discipline trades playing ahead. Dry rounds are near us, and um, we can't muck it up. Okay, solo podcast drops on Monday nights, and this dual podcast for AFL Fantasy Classic. Drops on late Tuesday nights. Okay, Jep, that's it for episode 85. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.